Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. I brought a bunch of papers. I, I won't spend that much time. <laughs> I write big, I guess. So the sermon part, uh, do you remember what I talked about last week? Matthew and Mark on the items pertaining to the Lord's Supper or to, the, to Jesus' life about this time of the year. So it follows then that today's sermon will be Luke and John uh, that tell events near the time of the Lord's Supper. Um, John doesn't say a whole lot, but he does the foot washing. <laughs> okay. So um, it'll be uh, Luke, and I'll, I'll throw in a little axe, I think, at the same time. But the sermon then, I just called it as uh, Luke and John tell events near the Lord's Supper. This is the time of the year when we have almost the same sermons, you might say, from year to year to year, but I'm trying not to do that. <laughs> I'm trying to have fresh uh, bread uh, for everyone. But I brought along some things that I'll, I'll get into here. This is the um, Hebrew text. And uh, I've got the that's just one of four or three volumes of the Old, Te Old Testament. And I've got along this chart of the end last uh, week, or a little better, of the uh, uh, Lord's Supper time, the Passover time uh, in Jesus' life and for all of the Christians since then. So this graph is called graphically showing the time element what's always been around all of my life, uh, back in the 50s and so on, there was always a, this chart called the time element. And uh, it had to be upgraded somewhat and updated because of the computerization. <laughs> the scripture verses have always been there in the Bible. So it's just nice to have them laid out in a row day by day, what was happening in Jesus' life and the, and the other believers and tie it up with uh, Daniel somewhat, tie it up with the end of the world, uh, kind of make some connections with that, and all the happenings around the time of uh, the Lord's Supper. So I'll comment on that a little bit, but if I don't say exactly what uh, uh, chart I'm looking at or what chart I'm using, um, it's that one. It's available in the back of the room here and also available by email. We can send it to you and print it in either a 14-inch or 8.5 by 11. So, first I need to make a correction from last week. I got kind of stumbled around with Herod and Herod and Herod and Herod. It's actually four Herods. <laughs> and, but um, I knew there was at least three Herods, and I thought I was maybe um, not going to get in trouble. And then you need to realize that there's, there's all these different Herods. And sometimes they tacked on an extra little name to it. But uh, the first Herod that we run into in a normal, regular routine is when the uh, children were killed at the time of Jesus' birth. Um, he was mad because the, the uh, wise men from the east didn't come back to tell him where this new king was. 
And uh, when he found out about it or remembered, he was off by quite a bit. Now his life, that Herod, uh, just called King, the King Herod and so on. Uh, oh, and actually here's one for you. There's 32 times in, in Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's 32 times. And then there's 41 times in, um, in Acts. Next year, nine times in the book of Acts that talks about Herod. So all total would be 41 times, just really just in those four books. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John, he wasn't there. Interesting. But then you say, well, I know there's one at least in Acts. <laughs> there's nine more. <laughs> I mean, there's nine there. For Herod, the name Herod. So this first Herod was the one that uh, commanded for the children to be killed because they didn't, the wise men didn't come back and tell them where Jesus was, the new king of, uh, of, of the new way of belief. And of course, he wouldn't want another king. He would have made sure they got rid of the king and uh, God held off. Sometimes the stories when they're told it sounds like it's going a little too fast, and uh, immediately they went to Egypt. No, you look at it again. Uh, he had to be circumcised on the eighth day. Mary had to be 33 days before she could be give her offering at the temple for herself. Um, and then you realize, no, the story goes on that they were in a house. He was a young child, and then they went off to Egypt, okay? And of course they came back and there was a relative of this King Herod because he died. Oh, I was going to tell you that too. Uh, this King Herod had lived before year zero. Somebody decided to start the count over or move the count <laughs> of where the years start. So um, they say that Herod lived to year three. Of course, there's no, no zero year. You can't have a year where there's no zero, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> where there's no number to it. You have to have a number. Well, they say he lived till year three. Well, then how did, how did this time work with Jesus' birth and so on? Well, actually, if you look at when Jesus was born, they usually say it was about three before Christ. Okay, the numbers, the names are wrong, right? You can't be before you were born, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the way the Roman calendar went, uh, Jesus was born sometime around either five or three years before Christ. And uh, so you, you can get these years to work out right if you know what happened. It was uh, not a mistake in recording. It was a mistake renumbering of the year um, by the Romans. Anyway, uh, if, uh, if we go past that, then there was a Herod uh, the Tetrarch. Uh, that put Paul, John in prison, put John in prison. And then there was the Herod that uh, had a birthday and had John the Baptist head removed, brought on a platter, if you read that story. There was um, a Herod uh, later, uh, Paul was uh, challenged with a Herod that he had to report to and travel from place to place and then got off to Rome. That was a Herod as well. And uh, one of the, uh, I should pull up that page over here. 
I can read this Herod faster. Okay. Uh, Herod was an Edomite. This is interesting. He was not from the tribe, the 12 tribes. These, this Herod line of family was Edomites, a line of kings, uh, who the Romans, uh, when they had control of Judah, they put him into office. So, um, um, it was just before Christ, it says on here, that uh, when the Herods were put into power, and the Edomites. Herod the Great, from 37 to 3 before Christ. Yeah, B.C. Um, so he died before Jesus was born. Well, it's not possible. <laughs> the years moved, uh, not the person's life. Uh, he got on the throne, and he kept it by crimes of unspeakable brutality, murdering even his wife and two sons. Wow. Um, he was cruel, cunning, cold-blooded. It was he who slew the children of Bethlehem in an effort to kill Christ. The next one, his son, Herod Antipas, some 33 years later, killed John the Baptist, and that's in Mark 6, and mocked Jesus in Luke 23, 7, and a little further. Then the grandson of Herod Agrippa I, or his name was Herod Agrippa I, 14 years later, killed James the Apostle in Acts 12, 1 and 2. That's interesting. Still the same line of people. The fourth one then is a great-grandson, Herod Agrippa II, 16 years still later, was the king before which Paul was tried in Acts 25 and 26. So interesting. When you go down, you're reading through the Bible and it just says Herod, through Herod. But then when you start thinking of how many years went on in between, you know, how old was Jesus? 33 and a half when he died. Well, does that Herod live that long? He didn't make it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so he had a different Herod in between. And Paul was a number of years later after he had made three missionary journeys. So Paul was a little later again. And so you go back and you find these people uh, in, in history. Uh, it's interesting, there was a little caption that I caught that the names of Jesus, so I'll throw this in right now. Jesus had been named long before he appeared the Messiah in Hebrew or the Christ in Greek. Both words mean the same, anointed, and the anointed one, or the anointed, one anointed, or anointed. Either way uh, is what that can translate to. Um, is a redeemer, a ruler of the world, Jesus, was his personal name. Jesus was his personal name. That's okay. That's fine. So you realize there's a title. Sometimes it says Christ Jesus. That Christ, that Messiah, Jesus was his name. Uh, and Messiah and Christ are his um, official names. Okay. 
just wanted to put that in at the same time here. So uh, back to the, um, so I, I got the Herods kind of straight, but I'm going to have to leave it up to you to hunt those people up and find out why they're different and how long they are apart, because that's a whole nother study. The Lord's Supper is a memorial supper. Some, some people forget that it's a memorial of Jesus Christ, a moral memorial of the day that he gave the emblems for us to keep in remembrance of him. That's a memorial. And that's usually once a year. Uh, your birthday is a memorial of when you were born. Once a year. <laughs> it's not a um, other thing that should be celebrated more times than, than that. We very seldom have things that are memorialized a number of times per year. Uh, it's when it memorializes the supper that Jesus had when he was uh, asked us to remember his death and his resurrection so that he would be thought kindly of each year. Then there's a verse that says, as oft as you do this, well, oft can mean more than once or a memorial of once a year. So we'll run into that a little bit as well where Paul tells a bit about that. Um, he promised he would come again. It's interesting when we go back and we look over these dates or these times and, and reenact, you might say, the bread and the juice, um, that Jesus said, I will come again because he's saying, I'm going to eat this with you again in the kingdom. That means he's coming back. Yep, that's what it means. He's going to come back. So a memorial is to look back and to see that in the, in the, when Jesus was doing it yet, it was Old Testament times, right? New Testament hadn't begun until Jesus raised from the grave. So yes, we're, we're in between. In the, but the Hebrew people there were looking back to Egypt. They were looking forward to a Messiah coming. They didn't realize he was there. And so they were still doing the Old Testament Passover and Jesus was instituting a new symbol. The, the, um, we now call it the, um, the Lord's Supper. But it's not a meal. It's an emblem that we take a bit of bread and a bit of juice. It's not a whole meal. So then when we are doing it, we're looking back now, back to when Jesus did it. We can look back, memorialize, look back and say, when, when did he do it? How many years back? What was happening in his time? It also shows forward because he is coming back. He said he would. He's going to. He's going to come back. He's going to be a king sitting on the throne, on the throne of David and so on. He's going to land with his feet on the Mount of Olives. I mean, we can look forward to that time when Jesus is going to come again. So that's memorializing. He's coming as king the next time. So I've got a number of things that I want to talk about um, just to kind of bring us up to, uh, to the Lord's Supper. Yep, that's where I wrote in here about memorializing, and this was last week's sermon. Thank the Lord. <laughs> it's not today's sermon. When you look up Passover on the computer, you can actually look forward to 2022, 23, 24, 25 and 26. You can actually look those dates up, look forward in the computer 
and, and uh, find out what it's all about. The Passover falls on the Hebrew calendar date of Nisan 15. Nisan 15. That's on the Hebrew calendar, also referred to as, as Abib, the first month of the year. So those are things you can pick up on by looking up some of these things online. And you can actually look up the actual R dates of when the uh, um, Passover time would come. And then, of course, we, we take it to mean the Lord's Supper for us. The Hebrews only do it once a year, too. Somebody started doing it more times per year. You know, that's why. Uh, the 4th of July only comes once a year. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, okay. Uh, and then if we uh, took a, uh, another kind of thought on it, you start doing mathematics as to whether the, um, what, what's happening in, in Jerusalem. Are you supposed to look that up? Try to find out when this time of the year is happening. What's going on in the, in the farming industry? Or uh, do you look up uh, um, something else? The, the sun and moon, of course, we need because that's, God said that they are uh, set there in the sky for us to give times and months and seasons and years and so on for the months. The Jewish calendar is a real nightmare. You could figure it out, but uh, it's sort of like let the Hebrew high-priced high help <laughs> figure it out um, because there's uh, on the... I might get this wrong because it's too confusing, but I think it's on the uh, 7th, the 9th, the 13th, the 15th, the 17th, or something with uh, years, or m months. <sighs> no, I'm going to get it wrong. It's the years when they add an extra month. So if you count down the way it's three years, they add an extra month. On the 5th, they add another month. On the 7th, they add another month. On the 13th, they add another month. Uh, of these years, they're adding an extra month. Why do they do that? Why do we add a leap year in February? Leap day in February. Every once in a while they put in a leap second because <laughs> we've got atomic clocks now. <laughs> so um, they had to add those years because the moon is 28 days and our months are 30. Because if you take 365 and divide by 12, you end up with an odd number. So every once in a while you have to have 31 days in this month and 30 days in that month. And once in a while you have to have 29 and 28 in February uh, to try to keep the month of the year and the seed time and harvest time at the same place in the world, all over the world. So it gets kind of confusing, but we can follow the spring equinox to ring a bell now we're there, we're pretty close. Then you get into a discussion, is it before the um, spring equinox or is it the spring equinox that's closest to the new moon? Oh boy. <laughs> it's kind of easier to let somebody else say, okay, this is when Passover is. Oh, but then there's another little catch. The Hebrews say the Passover is on the 15th. The Bible says it's on the 14th. 
And there you go again. Do you remember at Jesus' time, Just I'm trying to entice you to read the Scriptures. Read up on when the disciples were doing what for the Lord, pertaining to the Passover, and the, and the, yeah, the Passover time to eat the Passover, and what the Jews wouldn't allow to happen when Jesus was on the cross and the other two on the cross. They said, you've got to take them down. They cannot be on the cross on the high day, which they were also calling Passover. Okay, well, we know for sure Jesus can't eat the Passover and be on the pulpit, I mean, on the cross at the same time. Okay, that's a given. Did the disciples challenge him? Lord, you got the wrong day. Because the Hebrew people were planning it a day later. And then you come to our time, and I've even run into a pastor that wouldn't eat the Lord's Supper the same time as everybody else. Because he said, you can't eat the remembrance of the person that died when he's not died yet. So you've got to be one day late so that you can honor Jesus when he's... <laughs> you see how confusing it can get? People get in more trouble than it's worth. Jesus wants us to remember him, not to be thinking about moons and suns and equinoxes and all of this. The equinox is when the sun comes across the equator from south to the north, and then when it moves into the north section of the north, uh, I'm going to get this wrong, I guess, uh, equator, it crosses the equator moving into the north side of it. When it crosses over, you have equal day and night at that point in the, in the world. So it's a specific time. Well, even that can get pretty tough. So what we've decided <laughs> here in this group is that the pastor has got to be the one that says, all right, you know, this is the way it's got to be, with the help of his two elders. Okay, so there'll be three of us, why we have already done that. Uh, last year we really got onto it, and this year we, we know it's all right, <laughs> because we've checked. And the, uh, when you get the notice for the Passover, not the Lord's Supper, but the Passover, they'll say it's on Friday, and it begins at sundown, at the night first and then day. So they're doing it Thursday night if they're keeping the right Passover date. And they're actually a day off of what they're doing. So we're doing it Thursday night. Then we'll have the, the Friday for the preparation day for the Sabbath and so on. We'll, uh, it's just a way of looking at how the day is matched up and what they were called and knowing that the Hebrew people move things because they're considering other factions. They're celebrating coming out of Egypt. We don't have that situation. We're celebrating when Christ gave the, the bread and said, this is my body, and the juice, this is my blood. And it was unleavened bread. That's easy to, to solve when you're looking through the scriptures. It had to be unleavened bread because they started a day early on that too. The, um, the 15th was a Sabbath because they came out of Egypt. The 15th of Nisan. But the 14th is when, the, um, uh, when they were, uh, had to stay in the building all night. Not allowed to leave the building uh, in Egypt. So that's, that was celebrating that time. We're celebrating when Christ 
gave the, the uh, bread and the juice. The juice also is unleavened juice because leavening represents sin. You can't have leavening in the bread. That was part of the Old Testament writing anyway. So um, you say to yourself, well, we can't have a sin symbol in the bread. That just doesn't seem right. Well, then why would we have sin symbol in the juice? It's supposed to be the fruit of the, of the vine. The fruit of the vine. Juice. Well, it had a very low content maybe of, of um, brewing. Because you just crush the grapes and they're going to start brewing immediately. It's on the skin. The, um, I just used the word, um, the leavening is on the skin of the grape. So there may be some low, but the Bible says the pure blood of the, of the, uh, of the grape, pure blood of the grape. Then if you look up in, in Hebrew at that time, and you'll see that it says uh, fruit of the vine, and it's got Hebrew words for it. And you say, well, can you translate that to English for me? I got a, a professor that did that. said, can you say that it means something different? Or is translated both ways? He said, no, it says fruit of the vine. That's what it says. Okay, so uh, we can use grape juice which uh, is not fermented, does not have a sin symbol in it. Okay, then, uh, I want to touch a little on the um, time element, and there's about three Bible verses here that I'm going to read. If I start getting into some difficulty, Pearl had volunteered. And these verses also are on this sheet of the, the chart of what happened each day at the time that Jesus was here to die on the cross. The time element. Christians should take the Lord's Supper at the same time Jesus instituted the supper. Well, wow. that's not my words, but that's right. Okay. The, Lord's, uh, the Lord instituted the supper on the same night as, as ancient Passover was observed. That's right too, isn't it? That's what we're shooting for. We don't want somebody that moves it because they left Egypt or whatever the plan is. Um, it's the ancient Passover observation, same date. This was on the 14th day of the first month of the Hebrew calendar. That's all that is other than Bible at that point. So when we look at uh, Exodus 12, 2 and 3, if you want to follow along, I've got it written out here. The month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take unto them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. So that's pretty straightforward. Why the tenth? 
What if that animal had a blemish at that point? He could still change it. If the animal fell and broke a leg, it wouldn't be suitable. You have to, and that would have a bruise as well. So at the 10th, you're, you've got a few days of grace you know, to make sure that you've got a good one. Okay, next verse is in, uh, that was Exodus 12, 2 and 3. Now I'm going to Exodus 12, 5, 6 and 7. Uh, it would be good to read all the way from the beginning of the chapter through all of this. But um, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Uh, ye shall take it out of the sheep or of the goats. Interesting. There are people that worry about the goats. They, uh, they say uh, it was a sin symbol because in the wilderness they had one goat that they would keep the second goat they'd take out and let it go in the wilderness. They actually took it far enough away that it wouldn't find its way home. It wouldn't find its way back. Okay, that's why that some people think that way. So if you hear them talking about whether the goat was a sin symbol or was taking the sin away from the people into the wilderness, um, you, know, you know where it came from at least. You can read that for yourself. But it's allowed to have sheep or goat but it had to be a male of the first year and without blemish. And ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, 14th day, up until the 14th day, not beforehand, but up till, up till that day is ready to start. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take of the blood and strike on the two side posts on the and on the uh, upper doorpost of the house, so the lintel and the two sides of the door of the house, wherein they shall eat it. They were to stay indoors too. They were to eat it right then and there. Then there's a verse here in Leviticus 23, verse five: In the fourteenth day of the first month, at even is the Lord's Passover. Remember, that was called Passover in their days. We don't keep the Passover. We're keeping the Lord's Supper. There is a difference. It happens to fall on the same night, okay? <laughs> it happens to be the same day. So that's Leviticus 23, verse 5. Uh, to be keeping the Lord's Passover was, was for the Old Testament on the 14th day of the first month. Okay, another verse here is in Luke. 22, verse 13 through 16. And they went and found as he had as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. They didn't say, Lord, you got the wrong day. Okay? Because as you go on, you'd run into that where the Jews had to get Jesus off of the cross and the other guys off before the day was coming, and they were on a wrong date. They were keeping the coming out of Egypt more than the Passover itself. And when the hour was come, hour, if this was all time, Jesus knew what was going on. He sat down, and the twelve apostles with him, and they said unto, and he said unto them, with desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. They didn't know what that meant. He was going to die on the cross. 
For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. That's Luke 22, 13 through 16. This plan of the Passover and the Lord's Supper is going to come to the full end at the kingdom of God. He's not going to eat any more with them this meal because he's going to be gone. He's going back to heaven to be with his father. So when that kingdom comes around, then he said it'll be fulfilled there, but he won't be eating it with them until that time. He could eat it again as a memorial with the, with the believers. For I have received of the Lord that which, this is from 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, 23. For I have received, who's this I? It's Paul. He's talking to the Corinthians. I have received of the Lord. I guess he got it right from his mouth. He got it right from the beginning of the right place. So we have a true statement here. For I have received of the Lord that which also I deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. He was betrayed. They went and they stayed in the garden that night. And then the, the, he prayed. His sweat was so heavy, so, so pouring that it was just as thick as blood, you might say. It was as blood, not actual blood. But they came, and uh, Judas Iscariot came over and gave him a kiss, and Jesus said, you're going to um, betray me with a kiss? That's a, fr- a kiss is a friend. A hug and a kiss, you know, that's, that's a friend. Are you going to betray me with a kiss? And yes, that's what happened. That same night... Jesus had given the emblems before they went to the, uh, to the garden when he was betrayed. Uh, that's when he instituted the bread. Because it says betrayed. He took bread. And there's, so there's more of the story. You want to read more of that. Important observance. The, um, the candidate must be baptized. If you're not a believer, why would you take the emblems? In fact, it's sinful to take the emblems. So let's keep going here a little bit. In order to have eternal life, one must accept the sacrifice of Jesus. The Lord's Supper should be taken in remembrance of this sacrifice until Jesus comes again. In Luke 22, 19 and 20, and he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, he said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. If you were never part of that uh, love of Jesus and part of Jesus, then how can it be shed for you? But that's Luke 22, 19 and 20. Then the next verse is part of 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. I always read this every year, part of this chapter. So that's 1 Corinthians 11, 
23 through 26. Here we go. For I have received of the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. We just, just read that, but it's here as well. And uh, then, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Memorializing again. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, uh, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Um, beautiful to think that he's coming. That's what he said. You know, he will return. Um, I guess each of us need to really think seriously about the, uh, how we prepare for the Lord's Supper time of the year. So we'd think maybe this would help us think on that. The following, uh, every follower of Christ is admonished to examine himself so he will not find himself condemned at the judgment. Then he should take part of the Lord's Supper. That's somebody else's writing, not mine. And this is back in the 50s. I'm not saying this is a brand new idea. This has always been done. 70 years back, this is the way it was. Therefore, or pardon me, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 27 through 31, but there's just a verse or two here. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let every man examine himself, and so let him eat this bread and drink this cup, that he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, for, or pardon me, not, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, that means die. For if we had judged ourselves, we should not be judged. It's 1 Corinthians 11 and 27 through 31. It's a, it's a warning that everybody has to take thought of what are they doing. When we come together as the, uh, the evening of the Lord's Supper, and this, I usually read that then too, but it's just we don't know what visitors or, or who might be here. Um, they have to account for themselves. We can't make judgment calls at that time when, when we're here and say, uh, okay, we got so many here, so many there. What we usually do is we ask, how many would like to take the Lord's Supper? Please stand. And then we know, okay, we got so many that are taking the bread and you do the same with the juice. Uh, the foot washing is kind of automatic. It's not a demand that you have all of this just right. But foot washing is fine. Judas got his feet washed, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, Jesus said, you're all clean, but not all, because Judas, you know, because one is here. Um, but um, 
What we'd like to do too is have the foot washing first. It uh, seems to be that way in the scriptures when you're reading and you go through John and what was happening. They ate the meal, the Passover meal they're eating, and then Jesus put, his, put a towel around him and he began to wash their feet. Remember the story about Peter saying, you're never going to wash my feet. My Lord and Master, you are not going to do that. You don't stoop that low. And Jesus said, no, if, if you don't let me wash you, you have no part with me. So, oh, okay, I'll wash my hands and my head too. <laughs> yeah, and Jesus said, no, if you've got your feet washed in this ceremony, you might say, there's no need to wash your hands and head and hair and whatever. Uh, it's just your feet is a symbol of this action. So um, uh, then Jesus went back and sat down and he said, somebody's going to betray me. And he said, is it I? Is it I? And eventually Judas said, is it I? <laughs> oh yeah. And Jesus said, well, the one that I give the sop to, and he dipped some bread and gave it to Judas. And then he said, Judas, you go and do what you have to do. Do it quickly. Go and do so he went out and of course he'd already prearranged and he went and got the people to come with him to where Jesus would be in the garden. So this is not a, a service that is trying to keep people from coming to service. I've had people in Canada, um, they said, uh, uh, we're afraid to take the Lord's Supper. And, uh, I said, you've been baptized, haven't you? You've accepted Christ as your Savior. You've done these other things. Why do you mean, why do you think you're afraid? Well, we're not worthy. None of us are worthy to have second in command of the universe, Jesus Christ, to come down here and die for me. I'm not worthy. But this is a command that we should do it to remember what Christ did for us. So it's a good thing. And when we feel a little bit guilty or more, it should put us on our knees. That's what it should do. We should be praying. Not, Lord, save me, because we've already done that. It's, Lord, help me to be worthy of what you've done for me. Help me to be a good example, be a good witness for you. And those kind of things are, are in our minds and hearts. We'll see you on Thursday. May God bless you.